I can crank it up here. There we go. All right. It went AWOL. We had to find it. Aaron's on vacation, and uh, so I searched his office and found it. Well, it's going to be a great day, and um, there are uh, two people nervous today. Uh, Steve Phillips and Wendell Eastead. So, uh, <laughs> pray, pray hard for them, alright? Uh, I'm uh, thrilled to be able to teach and preach today. Someone asked me about uh, P&L last week. I uh, did P&L and uh, found out on, uh, um, I think, Monday that I was going to do P&L. And so um, I did a Bible study on the worry wart. And so um, someone said, uh, do you have notes on that? I do. And it's on the church website. It is my blog, and so uh, if you want to know how to defeat worry in your life, you can get on our church website and find that, um, that message I brought. Alright, today, 2 Peter. 2 Peter. I think years ago, uh, there was a song back in the 50's or the 60's. Um, from my memory, it went something like, wake up little Susie, or, you know, <laughs> you know, wake up a little Susie, wake up. Who was it? Everly Brothers, alright. There was a song, okay. You know, sometimes I think I just make them up, I don't know. But I thought about that in relation to wake up and remember uh, what we are going to study today. Anyone have a bad memory? <laughs> the old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. John said, what was that you said? Uh, you know, the older you get, the more frail your memory gets. And I've read and heard about all kinds of odd things you can do to help that memory. And the biggest thing you can do is not to grow old. But anyway. Um, but you know, when there is a distance away from a event, uh, the memory fades. And can you imagine Simon Peter? He is decades now away from the cross. Uh, the Lord is gone. And so Peter is trying to remember and recall the events around uh, the ministry of Christ. But not only that, but Peter is trying to encourage you and I to remember the things of God in our lives. So I want to read here chapter 1 the book of 2 Peter. I want to read just beginning verses 12 through 15. And so look there in your Bible, 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them 
and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. And so Peter here is calling on people to have a holy memory about the Lord. You know, we have something in the church called communion, the Lord's Supper. And uh, years ago, every Baptist church had that table out there, and right on the front of that table it says, do this in remembrance of me. And so, it was a way that the church perpetually could remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And so we need some markers in our life. We need some holy reminders. Now there is a verse in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. It says, Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The main way that you and I, on a daily basis, remember the things of God is through the living and abiding Word of God. When we dive into Scripture, God through the Holy Spirit brings things to our mind. Someone asked me today, they said, now you know when to finish preaching today. I said, I do. I said, when the Holy Spirit tells me to. God has a way of reminding us of truth in His Word. Proverbs 23, 23 says we are to prize the truth, we are to purchase the truth, and we are to preserve the truth in our lives. There are some things more valuable than silver and gold, and that's your faith. There are some things more valuable than your house, than your car, than your job, and that is the faith that you have in Christ. Adrian Rogers, years ago, uh, used to say this real fast. I'll say it real slow. When the child of God loves the Word of God and sees the Son of God, he is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. Oh, Adrian could do that. Boy, he could preach. And you and I, when we are involved in the will of God, the Spirit of God leads us. I believe day by day, moment by moment, we are led by His Spirit. Simon Peter is an example of someone who wanted to preserve and hang on to the Word of God. Now, we're living in a day and time where a lot of folks can go to church, but they don't hear the Word. They go to a country club kind of church, 
And I don't know what the guy's got up there or the lady sometimes. It may be Reader's Digest. But they've got something up there besides the Word of God. Peter underscores the reliability, the dependability of the Word of God. Now, boy, it's easy to tear off a spot and preach. But the Bible has one theme. Redemption. There is a scarlet thread that runs through the Bible. The Bible has one hero. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible has one villain. The devil. Diablo. And the Bible has one purpose. The glory of God. You know when I was in uh, junior high. I know they call it middle school now. We called it junior high. Back in the day I was in junior high. And, and someone brought me a Bible. Gave me a Bible. And it looked like a newspaper book. It had newspaper print on the front of it. And I said, well this doesn't look like a Bible. They said, read it. It's called Good News for Modern Man. And that newsprint Bible enriched my faith. God spoke to me in a new and clear way. I, I just believe there's always room for a new telling. I believe it's the same old story. It's the old redemption story. But always room for a new telling. Wake up. And remember, I want you to look at three things today in our text. Number one, men die, but the Word lives. Well, I think about the servants of God who are dead and gone. Think about a Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, Adrian Rogers, R.G. Lee, and soon Billy Graham. But you know, the Word of God lives on. And you find this in verses 12 through 15 that we read. The apostles, through their preaching and teaching, laid the foundation for the church. But Christ is the cornerstone of the church. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11 says, He is the cornerstone of the church. And that's why preachers can even come and go. But the cornerstone remains. I uh, was thinking about this last verse here, verse number 15. Peter says, I'm going to be diligent because he knew a departure was coming. A departure. Peter knew that the end of his life was imminent. We never know. I was watching on TV the other day and I saw an airplane in Chicago just burst into flames. I saw folks getting on those slides and sliding down out of that plane. I saw one knucklehead. He had his suitcase in his hand. <laughs> A man, I want to tell you something. The plane's on fire. Leave the suitcase behind. <laughs> just get out of there. Simon Peter had heard from the Lord in John's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 18. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, they will stretch, you, stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. And so, this was a prophecy about the end of Peter's life. We talked about this in 1 Peter. At the end of Peter's life, he's in Rome. He's arrested. And he's crucified upside down on a cross. Crucified that way because Peter said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord did. Can you imagine? Peter, as he gets older and older and older, he is saying, when's that going to happen? Do you think that energized Peter? Do you think that made Peter think, I've got to make this day count because I know that the end is coming? i got news for you. You've got to make every day, every moment count. There is someone you need to hug today. There is someone you need to call today. There is someone you need to reach out to today. Man, do it today because you don't know about tomorrow. Alright, so, wake up and remember. Remember that experiences fade, but the Word of God will last forever. Alright, now, number two. That brings me to my second point. Experiences fade, but the Word remains. Look at verses 16 through 18. Verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to Him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. Now, alright, number one, men die but the Word lives. Number two, experiences fade but the Word remains. What is the most thrilling, dominant, spiritual experience that you've had in your life? Well, you might say the day you got saved. Or you might say the day you got baptized. Or you might say, boy, I was in a revival meeting one time and man, the Spirit of God came down and boy, the altar was full and folks got saved. But you've got something in your life that was a powerful dynamic experience with Christ. You know what? That experience in time will fade in your memory. It will. But the Word lives on. Now Peter here, in verses uh, 16 through 18, he focuses on an experience that he had and it's found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. It is the transfiguration. Now what was that? 
Well, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. They went up on a mountain. And they went up to Mount Hermon. And at the top of that mountain, you'll find in Matthew 16, 13-16, you find Peter's testimony there about Jesus. And then it goes on and talks about this transfiguration time that he had. But what you find is that Peter was transfigured there with James and John. Now what was the transfiguration? What was the purpose for it? Well, it showed the glory of Christ on earth that we're going to have in heaven. And Peter, in fact, Peter said, Lord, let's just build tabernacles here. Let's just build a church here. Let's just stay here. But Jesus said, no, you've got to go down the mountain back into ministry, you've got to go on with the job that I have for you. Every single one of us have an experience in the past. It's where God came down, where God did something in your life, but you can't stay there. I've often thought in my life, you know, um, I had a great experience when I was a kid. I had a great pastor. Went to church camp. Felt the power of God in my life. Knew that God had something special for me. But I don't want to stay in an experience in the past. Some believers, they just stopped growing a long time ago. And they have become spiritual pygmies in their life. I'm, I'm glad for preachers that keep on studying. That keep on working. Peter talks about here in 2 Peter, how that they were eyewitnesses to the majesty and the glory of God. And then in this verse 18, and we ourselves heard this utterance, and the utterance came from the mountain. This was God's Son in whom He was well pleased. How many times did the voice of God come from heaven on Jesus? What about His baptism? Yeah. And then the transfiguration. I have never in my life heard the audible voice of God. But I've heard something louder. Man, when God called me to preach, boy, it was like there was an earthquake in my heart. When, uh, when I got saved, man, it was like God just showed up in bodily form in front of me. And so you and I need to remember and experience is not what you base your life on, but you base it on the Word of God, the truth in the Word of God. I had a girl one time who was struggling with salvation. And she just kept praying the, the sinner's prayer. And she prayed it over and over and over again. And this was her problem. She said, when I got saved, I didn't have an experience like my best friend had. And I said, listen, you're not going to have an experience like that. You're going to have your experience. And don't you ever think that your salvation experience and that your Christian walk has to be just like somebody else's. You're going to have your walk and your experience and your journey with Christ. Alright, God, move on. Number three. This is verses 19 through 21. The world darkens, but the word shines. Now boy, we, we live in a dark world today. 
live in a world today that is darkened by, by sin. I read a commentary that said, in some respects the world is getting better in medicine, science, communication. But at the same time, the world is getting darker in morality. The human heart is wicked. I was um, reading again about Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers one time was in an airport and a man asked him why he didn't reach out there and get one of the tabloids on the newsstand and uh, why he didn't read that smut. Now I will have to confess to you, sometimes I'm in the line at Walmart and, and I do read about Tom Cruise being beamed up on a spaceship. Or I, I, I do read about, you know, uh, someone, you know, entertaining Elvis in, in Las Vegas. And, you know, he, he still may be alive. I don't know. But, but Adrian Rogers said he doesn't read that smut because man has only three problems. Sin, sorrow, and death. But the Bible, the Word of God, has an answer to all three. The world darkens. Peter says this. Alright, let, let, let's look at these verses. 19 through 21. Verse 19. So we have the prophetic Word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Now, Peter is saying here, that even though we live in a dark, dark world, that the Word has a way of shining light on this darkness. When the world is confused in darkness about marriage, there's a light from the Word of God. When the world is confused about what bathroom you go to, there's light from the Word of God. When the world is confused about God's Ten Commandments. There's light from the Word of God. Well, Peter says it's a sure word in verse 19. Man, I like that. Made more sure. Scientists more and more discover that there's really no contradiction between Genesis and scientific truth. I, I, I want to tell you something. If there's a, a truth, I don't care if it's a scientific truth or if it's a mathematical truth or Lynn, if it's an engineering truth, it's from God. Because all truth is from Him. Uh, I, I, I'm just amazed that, you know, more and more scientists kind of scratch their head and look at the Bible and say, well, you know, the Bible might have had it right all along. Of course, we know that. It is also a shining word. Verse 19 says, it shines in a dark place. 
And notice this phrase in verse 19, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now what's that talking about? Well, it's talking about that Christ one day is going to come again. And that light's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter until the Son of God appears in the sky. Max Lucado has a wonderful book on the second coming. Max Lucado describes how that Christ one day when He appears, it's going to be shocking to some, but it's going to be glorious to others. Well, the third, verses 20 and 21, third thing we see here, is that it is a Spirit-given Word. Um, verse 20 says, it's not a matter of one's own interpretation. Now let me... Let me try not to get in trouble, but make something clear here. We all have a different idea sometimes on verses. Where did Cain get his wife? I don't know where he got his wife. I don't know. Nobody else really knows either. How'd that rattlesnake get on the ark? I don't know. I just know it got on there. How did the sun stand still for Joshua? I don't know, but it did. How did God call light out of darkness? I, I don't know. But here's what I do know. I don't interpret Scripture by my own private interpretation. I have a community of faith. I have godly men. Other men have inspired me. I stand on the shoulders of people that poured their life over this Word. I'm grateful for a guy like Wycliffe, others, who have written wonderful commentaries. Um, you can get on the internet and a lot of them are still there. Well, 2 Timothy, I want to close by taking you to 2 Timothy. Timothy, if you got your Bible there, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 through 17. Now listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate or sufficient equipped for every good work. I uh, have a quote here from Billy Graham. Billy Graham started his ministry. In 1954, he went to London to preach. And London at that time was a pagan, pagan place. And they told Billy Graham, they said, if you just come with the Bible, no one's going to come out to hear you. Boy, were they shocked. <laughs> Stadiums full. But here's what Billy Graham said back to that scoffer. He said, I know personally the transforming power of the Word of God. Billy Graham said, it changed my life. It is saving for the sinner. It is sweet for the saint. It is sufficient for the sufferer. It is satisfying for the scholar. You can trust the Bible. 
you will never be a great Christian until you come to the unshakable conviction that the Bible is the Word of God. Man, I believe that. I believe it. Alright, let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Man, may we be inspired today. May we stand on the B-I-B-L-E. Lord, I thank You for truth, that the Bible is truth without any mixture of error. And Lord, as we go to worship today, Father, may You come down in a mighty way. May Your Spirit move today. And may someone come to the saving knowledge of Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you all so much.